0: First bite pride of Detroit.com at pride of Detroit on Twitter, pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us from the authors, the architects and the conspirators of the pride of Detroit POD cast comes first bite the preview podcast of the Detroit lions. Every week we get on a guest. We talk to the who's the what's of the opponent that the lions will beat down in, or probably get beat down themselves. It's hard to tell. Uh, Ryan Matthews, the rock God is taking a break, which means me, I See if we had the if we had the rock god he would know the proper grammar here. Christopher Fett, the adequate host, is here at Christopher Fett, Perfett P E R F E T T on Twitter with Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. If I sound winded, it's because I am. I've been uh, jogging and I am now back. And uh, hi, Jeremy, how's it going?
1: Good man, you're talking a mile a minute, but <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Woo,
0: woo. My heart is racing. Let's get in our final guest here from the FinCider SB Nation website. Talk all things about the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, hence the name
2: Sider. Kevin Noggle, how you doing? I'm doing well, and it's jogging, not yogging. <laughs> What'd I say? No, you said jogging. Okay. <laughs>
0: yogging? Yogging? What's, what's yogging? Never mind. I don't want to know. I don't want to know anymore. What I do want to know about is the Miami Dolphins. The Lions are coming into town, into Miami on the 21st. It'll be a 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Dolphins riding high off of a victory over, and we'll thank you for this, the Chicago Bears.
2: You're very welcome.
0: Always <laughs> well, a good day when the Bears lose. Uh, and more more impressive about that is they did it with the backup quarterback, Brock Osweiler, which, I mean, let's be clear. The Bears ended up crawling, as we talked about on PODCast, the Bears ended up crawling back into this game. They were down, I believe, 20. Like It was, it was something like 7-0 at the... It was was, was like 7-0 at the half Miami. Chicago suddenly puts up like a ton of points. Uh, Miami strikes right back. Brock Osweiler takes this thing into overtime. Uh, Crazy series of events in overtime. (laughs) Dolphins win. But just let's start on Brock Osweiler because Ryan Tannehill, um, we'll get into questions about Tannehill and what's going on with his front office right now, especially now the NFL is opening investigation. But let's talk about Brock. Let's talk about the gym trainer Brock.
2: Uh, I don't even know. I, the, the The bonus is he's not Jay Cutler. So after last <laughs> year's Jay Cutler madness, I'm just about happy with anybody back there. Uh, Brock is, he's Brock Osweiler. You You know what you're getting. He's somebody who, he doesn't look downfield a lot. He's looking for those 10 yards and shorter throws, which works for Miami because they like to get the ball into the hands of their fast receivers and let them make plays. He's going to make some bad Brock Osweiler decisions. He's going to throw that pass that everybody's going, what were you doing? But then he'll turn around and make the great play. And you're like, okay, that's the quarterback we want. So he's up and down. He's inconsistent. But he, I think he's three and O now against the bears in his career. And he has absolutely got their number at least.
1: Can, can yeah, we talk obvious. about a little bit more about last week? I'm I'm just curious to how much of it sh- a shock was it to you? Even if they were kind of short passes, and we'll talk about those speedy receivers in a little bit, how surprising was it that Brock Osweiler threw for 380 yards against that Bears defense last week?
2: Oh, absolutely. As, especially when you add in the fact that Khalil Mack had zero sacks. He was right. just not a factor at all in that game. So the offensive line for the Dolphins has been – decimated by injuries this year at one point they were down to two of the original starters laramie Tunsil is back after his concussion so they're back up to three now but yeah i i thought for sure this was going to be a sack fest and osweiler was going to be either running for his life or throwing the ball away and somehow 380 yards later and a night almost 95 passer rating it absolutely stunned is probably too light of a word.
0: So, I mean, is, is it familiar? Is it, especially with his offense now with Brock Osweiler, is it his familiarity with Adam Gase and his systems that probably helps him slot in and just kind of just let this thing continue to run its course?
2: I think it's probably Gase's familiarity with Osweiler more so than Osweiler familiar with Gase, just because Gase knows what he can do. Um, Gase had to be, from everything we heard this offseason, Gase had to be talked into bringing in Osweiler, that he was happy with David Fales, and the rest of the coaches said, hey, we can get him relatively cheap. Let's bring him in. Let's at least look at him. And then as the preseason went on, you, you had to wonder why they were still holding on to him until we got to the fourth preseason game. And all of a sudden he just, it was like everything clicked for him and he played really well in that game. And then at the end of the day, I don't think Adam Gase wanted to give up on David Fails. They put in a waiver claim and claimed Luke Falk, who was a player that they wanted in the draft. So they ended up getting him on a waiver claim. But because Osweiler played well in that fourth preseason game, it just it seemed like the Dolphins were trapped into we have to keep all four quarterbacks, and so they did for a while. Falk has now ended up on IR, but yeah, Osweiler was a guy that the coaches didn't seem sold on. Yep, that's our guy, but he worked his way into it, and yeah, I think Gase knows how to use him and knows what works and what doesn't with him. So I think that I think that Detroit has a benefit this year this week that chicago didn't obviously because now there's film on how gase will use osweiler but i think that gase will do everything that he needs to do to make sure that osweiler isn't put in a position or as few positions as possible for that random osweiler moment
0: I'm going to give one more question about the offense. I'm going to turn over to Jeremy so I can get some water and let him talk about the defense. (laughs) I know he likes defense, but um, since we're talking about Gase and his decisions, and I really should have just led off with this question, but um, I'm sure that myself and I'm sure a lot of fantasy football owners want to know what is going on with this run game. We have a saying here on the pride Detroit beauty cast to establish the run game and fantasy owners want to know what's going on with the run game and Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore, because, Oh my God, can't you give Kenyon Drake the ball? They want to know they (laughs) demand to know why can't the dolphins give Kenyon Drake the
2: ball. I wish I had an answer because I drafted him in almost all of my fantasy (laughs) leagues. Um, This week I went through and Free agent or waiver picked up Frank Gore in almost all of my fantasy leagues.
0: <laughs> you got because, the handcuff.
2: Because at this point, I, I don't know. It seems like Frank Gore has established himself as the number one running back. Kenyon Drake is getting the starts. He's still listed as the starter, but it, it's going to gore more on handoffs. Now, when you add in pass receptions or targets, they come out about equal, but Frank Gore is definitely getting more carries. Um, I. I don't know why I don't I can't point to anything and say, oh, that's what Kenyon Drake is doing wrong. Other than the one fumble at the <laughs> goal line last week where he was in his feelings, as they said on the uh, on the broadcast, he uh, he's played well, but they're just not going to him. And I think part of that is Adam Gase is definitely a pass first type of coach he is an offensive mind who wants to pass first and he said this in his rookie year with the dolphins and last year that he likes to have coaches around him especially the offensive coordinator or the running backs coach or whomever it is to be there to go hey you haven't run in a while let's let's get back to running the ball because this offense is built to be based on the play action pass and gase gets pass happy happy and pulls it away from the run a little bit. So there are people there to try to make him run the ball, but why it's going to Gore over Drake, I don't know. I still think Drake is going to be a star and he is a very capable running back, but I guess Frank Gore's the hot hand right now. And you but keep riding really the hot, even hand. A hot
0: hand. Is he re- even really a hot hand? Like I know he's like racked up, I think 300 yards. Right now, but I mean, his averages um, have not been that great from what I remember. I mean, he averaged 6.7 in the Chicago game, but before then, like, you know, five against the Bengals, 3.7, two against the Raiders, 2.8 against the Jets. Like, it's, it's not like he's been showing himself out.
2: Oh, I I agree that they need to go to him or to Drake or to both of them a lot more. But yeah, the the Bears game, seeing him break 100 and be the first running back this year to do that on the Bears, who had the, I believe it was second ranked rush defense at that point. Um, he looks good. He looks like, uh, and being in a division where we have seen Tom Brady for so long and know that I don't know where he found it, but he found the fountain of youth. Frank Gore definitely knows where it is too. Cause I don't <laughs> understand how this guy at this age playing that position is able to run like he is now that said, I don't think he's going to go out there and break out 150, 200 yards on Detroit or anything like that. But he definitely looks like the more confident of the running backs right now.
1: All right. I want to take this conversation and zoom out completely and talk macro here because I wrote an article earlier this week asking something very simple. Why are the Miami Dolphins good? Because I can't figure it out. Because if you look at, like, all the statistical things, this is a team that has a negative point differential, yet they're 4-2. They don't rush the passer well, yet they have 11 interceptions. Their running game is average. Their passing game is probably a little bit below average. They certainly have below average quarterbacks at the position right now. Why is this team 4-2, and, and why do I still think they're good? And tell me, am I missing something?
2: Um, I think part of it is there was so much discussion before the season about how this team was not – it was one of the worst teams. ESPN had it in their power rankings as the 32nd team. Everybody had it as like a four-win team. And so that conscience – or that conscience got into the national – uh, picture and made it so that a lot of people expect the Dolphins to be bad. That said, you're, you're right. The, the Like the point differential, that's an issue. Absolutely. The Dolphins have to figure out how to score more points. Now you add in the fact that they were absolutely blown out by the uh, Patriots and it's a little bit better than it looks right now. But yeah, the, they, uh, they have a lot of players that people don't know their names yet right. and they are younger players they are coming up i mean even uh guys like kenny stills who people sort of recognize his name but they don't realize that he's a really good receiver and he's doing great things for the dolphins so there are guys that people don't know you add in this defense is actually really really good they make mistakes because they are really young you're relying on guys like Raquan mcmillan who is essentially a rookie even though it's his second year because he blew out his acl in the opening kickoff of the first preseason game last year so you have a Raquan mcmillan you have jerome baker playing linebacker next to him a rookie you have minka fitzpatrick out there as a rookie you have Xavier howard you have cordia tankersley you have devon godshot defensive tackle you have all these younger guys charles harris who Doesn't look like he's going to play this week, but a second year defensive end. So you have all of these young guys that are coming up that just they aren't names yet. So I think that's part of it. And then they do. I think that the um, pass rush is better than people have realized because they're hurrying the quarterback. They're getting close. They haven't gotten the sacks yet. And it's frustrating. We especially when you have guys like Robert Quinn and Cameron Wake and. Wake's been out the last two weeks. Apparently he had knee surgery. So he's missed some time. But these are guys that should be getting to the quarterback, and they're not getting there yet. They're getting close. They're just not there yet. So there are lots of pieces that seem to be working well. It just isn't turning into I can point to that, and that's why. So it's a. It's a. It's It's probably the sum is greater than the parts right now. But once those parts catch up, I think this team could be really special. I don't know if it's going to be this year or if it's going to be a year or two further down the line once these younger players settle in. But, yeah, I think this team is better than people realize. I think that they can get better still. But, yeah, they, they are doing things, and especially like the interceptions, they, they are picking off passes and ball hawking like nobody's business out there.
1: All right, well before we get into the matchups, I, I wanna to quickly touch on what I think a lot of Lions fans are interested in, and that's former Lions. Um you mentioned earlier the offensive line kind of the, the the Dolphins kind of hit the offensive line hard this offseason, trading for Daniel Kilgore, signing Josh Sitton. Both those guys are injured now, so one Travis Swanson has come in. How's he done so far? And then we'll
2: we'll get over the defensive side of the ball real quick after that.
0: Well I've got a question before that too, but go on. Yeah.
2: So Swanson, he was a guy that nobody really knew about. He was practice squad, end of the roster type of guy that you have for depth, but you're not ever looking to have come in. And then suddenly you had him come in and I think it was his first snap was the bad shotgun snap passed Ryan Tannehill's head and Tannehill even said afterwards, Hey, that's my fault. I got to catch that. It came out like a rocket. I mean, it was a hard snap. So it's probably a lot of adrenaline. He's amped up. He snapped that ball fast and Tannehill wasn't ready for it and it went right past his head. Um, since then, he's actually been really solid. I I think that they are doing a good job of trying to cover up because Left guard and center are both not opening day starters. So, the Dolphins, especially this past week, they did some stuff and they schemed some things to make sure that the offensive line did well for Brock Osweiler. And I think that they are still worried about Swanson, but I think he's going to be okay. I think that they would prefer to not have to rely on him, but I can't complain about him other than that one snap, really.
0: All right, real quick before we move on, I want to get to this because this is in the news, and just bringing it kind of full face back around to the quarterback. About you know, it's it looks like the NFL is looking into how Tannehill's injury was handled, according to uh, ESPN. So right. I'm can can you just elucidate on that because I'm sure it's going to be part of the broadcast at some point.
2: So it sounds like there's two issues that they're trying to look into. The first is why. Tannehill on Thursday was listed as a full participant in practice, but Adam Gase later said that Brock Osweiler took some of the first team snaps because under NFL rules, if you do one thing different than the norm, that's limited, whether it's, you didn't take one rep or somebody else took a first team rep that should be limited. So that part, I don't really have an answer on. I don't know how the dolphins are going to answer it, but that that would be the first part of the investigation. The second part is that the Dolphins listed him as questionable. By Saturday night, most – or there was news reports coming out. By early Sunday morning, most news stations had that he was more doubtful than questionable, and then obviously he got ruled out. So anytime this happens, especially with a quarterback, it seems like anytime a quarterback is scratched for anything – above doubtful so questionable or a healthy scratch and he's suddenly out the league seems to look into it most of the time the team can go hey this is what happened this is why it happened and nothing ever becomes of this investigation but yeah they're definitely looking into it there is some questions there because the could the team have updated the injury report on saturday and said yeah he's now doubtful they probably could have but it sounds like at least in adam gase's mind that they were going to the last minute and still thought Tannehill was going to be able to play. And my guess is that they thought they were going to be able to shoot him up and loosen up that shoulder. And then – on Sunday morning, he went in early and tried to work out and that shoulder wasn't working. And now this week in practice, just to fast forward a little bit this week in practice, he is out there, he is practicing. That's why he's limited, although the team has already ruled him out. So he is limited this week. He's doing everything except throwing the ball. So I kind of feel like we're in a Peyton Manning, or uh, I'm sorry, not Peyton Manning, in an Andrew Luck scenario right now where, Mm -hmm. hey, he can't throw the ball. But I think it's just, they're trying to get that shoulder to rest and loosen up because it's just something in there has tightened up on him and it's so sore. He doesn't have full range of motion right now.
1: And one, yeah. one quick note to, to make here is the Raiders actually got fined for violating the injury report policy today. Um, and just so you have an idea of what sort of uh, penalty that comes along with, they were fined
2: $20,000. So, okay. yeah, well, so nothing. that's good to know. I didn't, I'm I hadn't heard that yet. So thank you.
0: Yeah. I'm seeing here from uh you know Miami Herald is also saying that like Tannehill went underwent an MRI so but I think the big point for Lions fans is that you're probably not going to see him this week and uh, we'll just have to see what Jim uh, Trainer Brock brings with the
2: uh, rock type Pokemon. Yeah, he's uh, Adam Gase on. It was either Wednesday or Tuesday during his press conference. Just, yeah, he flat out said that Tannehill's out. Um, They did think that it was just going to be rest that he needed. And then as it has not gotten better, they did have him go get that MRI. Uh, So far, everybody is still coming back with, yeah, it's just, it's like a dead arm at this point, Hmm. if you want to tie it to a baseball term, that something's just not right. And he's trying to rest it and hope that. And my guess is he's out next week, too, because the Dolphins have that Thursday game. So I don't think they're going to rush him back. So I think he'll end up missing probably three games and then they'll make a real decision on what they're going to do with him.
0: Yep. Just pop it back in. All right. yeah, uh, right. We'll, nice. <laughs> we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, Jeremy wants to talk a lot more on the defense. We're going to play things we think we know. And more questions as we start looking towards the game itself coming down on Sunday, coming down on a Sunday afternoon for y'all here first bite rolls along after this first bite back at it again i am chris Perfett, your adequate host we are here with kevin Noggle from FinCider. i hope i am saying his his name right i did not i got in late and i'm winded from jogging so i did not get to ask him so
2: as I'll it is yeah I'll, g- I'll give you it's no but no Nogle, issue
0: no goal okay well great i should have asked that i'm totally <laughs> professional this is why i'm adequate <laughs> i'm filling it for ryan today i'm not even supposed to be here that's my excuse all right jeremy you want to take it in
1: yeah let's let's talk uh defense and then we'll get into some master- matchups here um the one name i keep hearing from just about everyone coaches players um analysts Kiko Alonso tell me about him tell him why Lions fans should be scared shitless about him on Sunday what does he he bring to the table
2: he is definitely having his best year at least as a Dolphin probably of his career right now um last year he was injured for most of the year and it frustrated Dolphins players because he wasn't ever injured he just was injured it, I, I know it makes no sense but he wasn't somebody that you ever looked at and went oh that guy's hurt he was just somebody that he had nagging injuries that lasted all year long and it slowed him down we and, got then, a guy
0: like that.
2: and then um this or then he was also asked to do so many things because the dolphins basically completely redid their linebacker core And Raquan McMillan was the middle linebacker and everything was good. And then suddenly he was out and then Lawrence Timmons went AWOL and then got suspended. And it just it was such a weird year. And Kiko never looked comfortable shifting from middle linebacker where he played the year before to outside linebacker. This year, he looks like he understands exactly what the coaches want. He is. Uh, I think he's second. I I don't know off the top of my head anymore. I know he was up leading the league. I think he's second in tackles right now in the league. Um, He's he just he looks like he gets it he is still being asked as the outside linebacker to make the uh, defensive calls and make sure everybody's in the right spot just because like i said earlier Raquan mcmillan is essentially a rookie still so they're, they're doing a little bit more as an outside linebacker than you really want him to do but where kiko's game is the strongest is be a run stopper be Up there on the offensive line, supporting the offensive line. He's still covering some, and you'll see him. uh, There was one play against the Bengals two weeks ago, which maybe this is part of why the Dolphins ended up collapsing, but he was downfield on AJ Green, and you're just that, that that's not a matchup you ever want. Right. So he is still in coverage at times, but even on that play, he recognized the cornerbacks and the secondary screwed up somewhere and AJ Green was wide open and he took it on himself to bail out of his assignment and go with AJ Green to try to make sure that somebody at least was covering him. So he's playing really well instinctually. he's playing really well against the run and making tackles and being in on plays. So compared to last year, the biggest change is probably just his comfort and the fact that he's healthy.
1: All right, let's uh let's get into some matchups here and I think we want to start with those Dolphins wide receivers because they are a speedy bunch that are like you said they're capable of making plays once the ball is in their hand and whether Brock can get it in his in their hands or not is another question, but what makes this group so dangerous and do you think this is a matchup like Albert Wilson obviously is, is kind of the big name on everyone's uh lips after after his big performance against the Bears. Um, is there a way to stop him? Is there a certain guy? Is there like a a, a a blueprint out there of someone who's who's limited him before because he just looked so insanely dangerous last
2: week? I don't know. And it, it's funny because early in the season, it was Kenny Stills that was getting the ball. And then Jakeem Grant made some plays. And now it's Albert Wilson. And the Dolphins said this year, their goal was to get away from the Jarvis Landry getting a hundred balls receiver. They wanted to spread it out. And that's what they have done. That said, those three guys, Stills, Wilson, and Grant are three of the fastest guys out there. And I mean, uh, if you saw it a few weeks ago, when uh, Wilson was running down the sideline and Jakeem Grant high-fived him while they were on the field of play, because they were just pulling away from everybody. (laughs) And the funny part of that is there was discussion all summer that, they need to have a foot race between these guys and figure out who is the fastest guy on the team. And Jakeem Grant in that, in that play caught Wilson. And then it looked like he slowed down a little bit to jog next to him. So it was like, Oh my God, these guys are so fast. It's ridiculous. Um, That said, there are ways to stop them. And we saw it against the Patriots. We saw it against the Bengals jam them a lot get them so that they can't accelerate right off the line of scrimmage. Um, And then the other trick is get to Tannehill or now get to Osweiler. And Tannehill did a good job the first three weeks of getting the ball out of his hands as fast as he possibly could and getting it into those hands. But if the offensive line is allowing pressure, that's how you stop those guys. The, 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 the short little shovel passes, pop passes that, are essentially running plays, but go down as passing plays that we've seen a lot this year from the Dolphins, those are going to be hard to stop unless you have really good containment and your uh, defensive ends or your linebackers are setting that edge and keeping the guy inside. But other than that, yeah, if you jam them, if you are able to get them off their route early, that's where you're going to see your success.
0: All right. Um, oh, you got something else, Jeremy?
1: Uh, just really quick. Let you know this is a passing league. Let's just let's talk about the inverse here because the Lions have a a set of impressive receivers of their own. Some would argue the Yak King. Others would argue that Albert Wilson might be the Yak King. But Albert Wilson. Uh, what? Who? <laughs> Albert. <laughs> Albert. Uh, Albert
0: Wilson.
1: Uh, anyways. Uh, how do you see that matchup playing? Because the Dolphins also kind of boast a, a pretty decent secondary. Um, you mentioned there's there's a lot of youth there. Um, but do you think that may, matchup might favor the Lions?
2: Um, I'll, I'll say yes on a caveat that if Bobby McCain comes back, it might swing a little closer to the Dolphins. I'm not saying it will swing all the way to the Dolphins. But Xavier Howard is a shutdown cornerback that nobody knows about yet. Teams have – basically gone away from targeting whoever he's covering. And he's not yet, they've done it some, I won't say they won't do it completely, but he's not yet a guy that they're sticking on a number one and saying, shut him down. They're playing more halves of the field than they are that type of man-to-man, follow him everywhere on the field. But Xavier Howard is going to absolutely be a dominating cornerback in this league. He's starting to really turn it on
1: he's hitting that third year that everyone kind of says that's when it really clicks for cornerbacks
2: after that there's a big giant question mark if bobby mccain is out there he is a very solid number two cornerback he's supposed to be the nickel guy but nobody ever stepped up to that second position so mccain slid outside and that's when they put minka fitzpatrick in at the nickel minka at the nickel is a really good Really strong player. Um, I love what they're doing with Minka Fitzpatrick because you never know exactly where he's gonna be. He's lined up at linebacker, he's lined up at safety, he's lined up outside, he's lined up at nickel. So you can find him in all kinds of places and they're using him really well. But the with the other corners with Tory McTyre, with um Cordrea Tankersley, these guys that looked like in the preseason they should step up, but every time they were given that opportunity with the starters, They faltered, and somebody else was pushed into that position. And it's been so bad that Tankersley, Tankersley, who coming into his second year after starting games as a rookie, everybody thought he's going to be the other guy. That you have Howard and Tankersley, and the Dolphins have their uh, Madison Sertain matchup again. And we're ready to rock and roll. And Tankersley just hasn't lived up to it. So I would attack whoever is not being covered by Howard. Even if it's Bobby McCain that's out there just to see if how healthy he is. But the Dolphins secondary, like I said, has been ball hawking. But there's definitely ways to get at them, especially if you stay away from Howard and you don't let Rashad Jones have a shot at the ball.
0: All right, let's move on to things we think we know. We are on a bit of time crunch with Kevin here. Thank you very much for him to join us. He is from Finsider. Great. But as we do, we do not believe in predictions. We do not believe in trying to predict a final score. Those are lame. Those are dumb. But what we do know is we assume that we think we know things about this football game, as we do for all these podcasts. And we say, tell you things that we think we think we know will happen. These are not predictions. These are just prognostic not not even prognostications they have prognostications of prognostication Prognostication <laughs> squared so jeremy what do you think you think you know about dolphins lions
1: the one thing i think i think i know is that dolphins kick slash punt returner jakeem grant is going to scare the crap out of me on at least one occasion because He's basically the, the leading kick and punt returner in the league Has a kick and punt return touchdown already this year. And the lion's special teams have not looked very good in that regard. I'm not saying that the Lions are going to give up a big play, but at one point it's going to look like they are. And maybe they do, maybe they don't, but you grant is a scary fast dude. And I don't want to see him running full speed at any point on Sunday, but he will.
0: All right, Kevin, what do you, what do you think you think you know?
2: Um, I'll give you two I think I think I know that the Dolphins defense will get to Matthew Stafford at some point in this game because Cameron Wake should be back Interesting. then. I think I think I know that Matthew Stafford scares the crud out of me because <laughs> he he's not Mitchell trubisky he's a guy that yeah. is well,
1: say, can you say that again real quick
0: <laughs> I, I want to say I want to say I think Kevin's started something on here who is a player on the other team that scares the bejesus out of him I feel like that should be a, a first bite segment, segment as we've just here between Cameron Wade between we have with Jeremy with with the punt returner Jeremy and then Graham. and then Kevin with with Stafford
2: yeah. I think I think Matthew Stafford is not Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, is that God. a better way to say it? <laughs> Let's just, can we clip it and just drop it every episode, please? <sighs> but no, I just I think that Stafford, I know that over the years, Stafford has put up these 5,000 yard seasons and it hasn't gotten the Lions anywhere, but that's still who he is. He may not be the young guy anymore, but he's still somebody who can go out there and he can put up the 400 yard passing game and like i said stay away from howard but you attack the other receipt or you attack the other cornerbacks he can have some success and stafford definitely scares me all right
0: i think that is it kevin uh how do i say your last name again let me get this right nogal 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 yeah. like a long long okay uh you got some place to let the people know where to find you
2: uh, on Twitter, I'm at the Finsider. Um On Facebook, it's facebook.com/thefincider, slash and then obviously it's thefincider.com. Uh, and just to put it out there, FinCider is spelled P-H like Dolphin Cider. So, there so you're you go. one of
0: those guys who gets to use his like personal name on top of yeah. like the SB Nation <laughs> <laughs> blog I, blog things. It's, it's it's funny like that. I like that.
2: I just when I took over the site uh, in 2011, I just. They said, hey, make sure that you set up your Twitter account to be at the Finsider. So I did. And ever since then, I see everybody else go to uh, Pride of Detroit or Silver and Black Pride or Niners Nation. And mine has just always stayed my name.
0: Nice. <laughs> Sorry if, I'm t- if you can hear me the typing. I'm just setting aside some notes for myself as I uh, prepare this. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on with us.
2: Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me.
0: All right, that's it for First Biter. Uh, First Bite, not First Biter, First first Bite. (laughs) First Biter is what I will do.
2: Drink more water.
0: Yeah, I am. Oh, my God. (laughs) Woo! It's not even that warm out here. All right, we will see you guys on Sunday. Subscribe to PODcast and First Bite and everything else from Pride of Detroit's audio offerings on Stitcher, on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Play. Do what you got to do. We'll see you star side.